0: This story is not about the presence under the tree. It's not about the sails, or the songs, or the snow. It's about a promise God gave us for every time we feel isolated, forgotten, lonely, for everyone who needs connection, closeness, warmth, or just to know they're not alone. This story is about Emmanuel, God with us. I've recently been um, Hanging out, and it's been fun Even during the holiday season, but I recently been Hanging out with our middle schoolers on Tuesday nights um, It was, it had uh, been something For me that early on when we planted Christ the King Sudden Valley Ten years ago-ish Uh I made the decision to not do youth ministry right off the bat. Uh, if you don't know my history, I was a youth pastor. I w- came to know Christ through Young Life, which is a high school youth ministry, and then I became a Young Life leader, and then I became a youth pastor at a church across town, and, and I knew going into planting this church from, I think it was three couples and us around our dining room table at first, and then it grew to ten, and then it mom's group, that kind of grew. But I knew that if I started a youth ministry right off the bat, that that's where I would focus, that would be in my wheelhouse and I would be just dead on making that work and I would neglect other things and so for a while we didn't really have a youth and now our youth have grown up and are active in numerous ministries all all across uh, town but uh, just as of recently I started hanging out with uh, some of our middle schoolers on Tuesday nights uh, in at CTK United which is a united youth group we have and um, hanging out with the leaders there and I tell you what Even with having middle schoolers and high schoolers in my house, and even with having direct exposure on a weekly basis with a large group of middle schoolers uh, and being directly exposed to that middle school life, the creative, chaotic, crazy kids that they are, I'm nowhere near understanding the way that they work. Um, It's true, the way that their mind works. But one thing I have recognized with these middle schoolers is how much they love just being with each other It really doesn't even matter what they're doing Or what they're a part of Or the games that they're playing Whether it's cool or not or whatever Like they just like being together I mean high schoolers like that as well But they have some independence that they're growing into But these middle schoolers really just love being with each other In the last couple of weeks we've taken to and I say this lightly, we've taken to kidnapping kids, we haven't actually been kidnapping them, but uh, my daughter Avery and my, my friend Rowan, we're friends, right? My friend Rowan, who lives right up the street from us, uh, we've jumped in my car the last handful of Tuesday nights and literally dropped in on and picked up kids on the way to youth group. Uh, we tried it like five or six weeks ago and And it didn't work out. The kids were like, no, don't even come to my house. We're not going to be there. And then then it was a week where they said they were going to go, and then we showed up at the house, and they weren't there. Like, they had actually Snapchatted, like, hey, we're here. Come and get us. And then they weren't there. And so we were like, oh. But we stuck with it. And over the last handful of weeks, starting a few weeks ago, we kidnapped a couple kids and brought them into youth group. And then ever since that Tuesday night, they've Wanted and desired to be there every Tuesday night since Which has been crazy and and, it, and I attest it to um, To the idea of, of them just desiring to be with other kids who are in the same position that, that they're in Intentional relationships and being with each other um, And these kids never set foot in church But yet they're desiring to be there with each other and my friend Rowan told me this story Um twice now, he told me it, <laughs> um, but uh, the story of this Halloween experience that he had, and he took one of the boys that's been joining us and a couple of other friends They went to a, 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 a haunted house, and, and, and he talked about that haunted house, he talked about at the end there was a guy with a chainsaw, and it was really cool, and, but more so the story each time he told it, it was about who he was with. And the and incessant screaming And the, the being with each other So they weren't really scared And like all that stuff that played into it And, and the story really was about Him being with his friends And I was reminded of that story this week Mainly because he told me twice As if I hadn't heard it the first time um, and I thought, no, that only happens with old age I retell stories, Rowan shouldn't be retelling stories No, but uh, I was reminded of that this week Because of the example of this idea Of how we've been bringing friends to youth group We've been bringing these friends to youth group um, And these other kids and their experiences uh, and, and, and watching them even interact with these kids That they had no idea who they were Before those Tuesday nights um, and, and that's where I want us to focus in on this morning, the idea of being with people. You, you know, your people that you, uh, you know, I call it your sphere of influence, the people that surround you in your life, the people you work with, the people you hang out with, the people you share a household with, um, and experiencing this, and this being church, or this being life, or this being work, or whatever the this is, that you experience this together. Because uh, it's universal across the board that hanging out with people isn't always easy, right? It isn't always easy. Uh, and, and across the board, whether it's adults or, uh, or, or children, middle schoolers, high schoolers, or even like little or toddlers, uh, the biggest problem with being with people is people, right? The biggest problem with being with other people is that other people are there, and and as much as we would love to get along with everybody and there's no problems, there's no anything going on, uh, that is what it is. People are people. And I would tell you the biggest problem with the church today is... People. Okay, good. I just want to make sure you're following me here, because we, we, we desire things that we don't necessarily act out all the time, or we desire even deep personal relationships that we don't act on all the time, and, and sometimes people just get in the way. And so um, what I want to start briefly with is enter, entering into the last two weeks and what we talked about in this series that will lead us into this idea of being God displaying witness, God displaying being with us through people, right? So the recap is, uh, is, is just this. The last two weeks we've looked at um, uh, God's promise to us, and we've looked at the Holy Spirit. But our ability to be with each other as people, our ability to be with each other as people Starts with being with ourself Being alright to be with ourself. self uh, My good friend Melanie this week said it this way as we were talking about this God doesn't convene or commune with our false self Our fake facade God deals with reality With God there is only truth there's no variations of truth, or uh, uh, you know, ways that you could or could like with God. There is only truth, and that's where God actually meets us. And as we look at this idea of God being with us through people, the biggest barrier to being with others is actually ourselves. Our willingness to uh, know. Ourselves and who God created us to be, to be one with God, Um, and God deals with us uh, the way that we are intended to, the way the way we are created to be. Uh, When we put on our false self, our uh, you know what we want people to see, what we want to present to those that are around us. When we put on that, we become absent. We become absenteeism in the relationship with God because we put up a barrier of a false self that, uh, that separates, God. that's theologically. God is always with us, but we build barriers up to kind of keep him at bay in our lives. And so that is, that. it's, it's, it's kind of like this. So uh, if you have kids that go to school, you probably at some point got the phone call that says, Hi, This is the Bellingham School District. Your son or daughter was marked absent from period four or marked absent from school today, right? So they're absent from school But in their absenteeism from school Learning still continues to happen. Math class with Mr. Zimmerman still happens uh, Miss Miller still teaches her class. Like everything still happens It's just your child was absent and the school districts letting you know that they were absent and so that's kind of how that operates with us in God, that we put up this barrier uh, in, in not, you know, not operating under the understanding of who we are, and that allows us or puts us in a position of being absent from what God is trying to work on. With Does that make sense a little bit, a little bit? There's like one head nod. We'll just talk today, me and you. Um, no, but, and that's what, that's what we talked about week one. So God's promises to us, understanding God's promise to always be with us no matter where we're, we don't have to put on a, a, a fake self. We don't have to present ourselves in a way. We don't have to uh, get dressed up or, uh, or, or build our self image up so that God will then convene with us. That is not something that God desires us for do. To do God desires for us to just present ourselves where we're at in reality and and look for him to uh, walk us into what we're intended to in that moment right and I think what 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 the kicker with that church is that it's so easy and actually I mean scratch it, I actually think that what we Tend to do, And I raise my hand every time for this Because, uh, you know, honestly I work on that We tend to do, what we tend to do Is we tend to ma- mistake our ideal self For the goodness of God So what we desire as our ideal self in our lives We, uh, we convince ourselves That that's God's goodness bestowed on us And that actually, that's the truth, the true self that God desires for us to have, this ideal self that we always are obtaining and trying to reach in our lives. And we convince ourselves that we desire that ideal self, that what we put up, what we put on display, the facade, uh, is God's goodness manifested in what we want to accomplish in our lives, And when the truth of the matter is, again, what God operates in is us seeing God for who He is, and that's what we talked about week one, seeing God for who He is, and then seeing ourselves for who He created us to be. You can go back and listen to the promises of week one. Um, And then we talked about this idea of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit uh, living and dwelling in our lives in such a way that it would, one, uh, manifest the promises of god of him, him always being with us and working with us But the flip side of that is that we would allow the holy spirit to move And, and move us towards that desired self that god has for us that we wouldn't allow people culture self ideals uh, Norms not norm that's watching at home, but norm the normals uh, uh, To inform us who we are We wouldn't allow that stuff to inform us as to who we are, but we would allow the spirit to lead us into that convening with God and Him displaying who He intended us to be. And that is the essence of Christmas for us, right? That is what we celebrate at Christmas. uh, And the big idea of even this series is that God is with us, interactive, relational, uh, highly uh, motivated to always continually to take that step towards us. And that's what's displayed in the birth of Jesus is God coming down and taking a step into relationship with us. And that's what I hope we walk away from this Christmas series as, we, as we've walked through this series of with, uh, and especially today, especially today as we look at this idea of, 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 of God being with us through his people. And, and today, that's the therefore. If there's ever a therefore in the Bible, like if you're reading Scripture, a lot in the, uh, in the Gospels, it'll say therefore, and then it'll say you have to go back and read what's the therefore. So the therefore us today is that God displays His withness with us through His people. And if you remember... Uh, I introduced the idea at the beginning of this series that we are image bearers of God. Like God desires us for us to display His image to others, and so uh, the fulfillment of that is God with us uh, right now. And it starts at the beginning of creation. Uh, if you've read the creation story, it's in Genesis, Genesis one, two, and three, and talks about creation and uh, and and how God created the the Earth and, and it's really interesting to me, it just struck me this week that as God created things, he said uh, and it was good, right? That's how God created. So he said, I created light so that he could separate light from dark and light when I created light was good. And then it said uh, he created sky and the water and then the ground and, the, and it talked about you know the creation of plants and all that kind of stuff and it said, and that was good. And then it said uh, he created the creatures of the sea and the winged animals that flew, and, and, and they were good. But we get just past creation, and in Genesis, God actually says something's not good. It's the first not good that God introduces in the Bible, I mean, he's talked about darkness, and he hasn't really alluded to darkness being the darkness that we see as, like, bad. And, but, but the first not good is in Genesis 2.18. It says, The Lord God said, It is not good for man to be alone. He says, I will make a helper suitable for him. So God's creating everything. He's creating the, the, the light and the darkness, the ground, the water, the creatures, and everything, and then he creates us, man, and he says, you know what? It's not good for man to be alone. And so it's in the very beginning of Scripture that God actually says, it is my design for you to not be alone. And then all throughout Scripture, we get to see God's design for us being in relationship with Him, in relationship with each other, and as He establishes and builds the church, as, as even in the Old Testament, as God's people are led through things, like they're together, and they unite at times, and they, they travel together. Like it, all throughout Scripture, it's the story of us being with, with each other, and with God and with creation it's God's design for us and and I would say even throughout scripture it's not just as this verse in Genesis might read I'll create a helper it's not just to help or aid each. I mean it's literally to be in relationship with each other in relationship with God and that's all throughout scripture and Uh, One of the greatest examples I stumbled upon a couple weeks ago is in John's account. And so the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John are the Gospel stories of Jesus' life uh, here on earth. His ministry as he walked the streets and and ministered to the disciples as well as to the outskirts of people and to the religious people. Like Those are the stories of him being with a bunch of different kinds of people and how he would interact. But in John's account... Uh, They would gather and if you're watching online, I forgot to mention you'll want to get some sort of communion elements uh, You know whether that's uh, you know root beer and a saltine or water and uh, a piece of bread We're gonna take communion here, but in John's account uh, They're they're gathered in the upper room and they're gonna have a meal together and today We've set the table for a communion meal that we'll have uh, in a real fun way later on in the service but they've gathered around this upper table And this is the point where you've probably heard it said before, where Jesus broke the bread and said, this is my body. Jesus poured the wine out and said, this is my blood. but, But just before this happens, just before that took place, Jesus did the ultimate, what I consider some of the ultimate with examples that are written in Scripture, encouragements for us to be in relationship with each other and to interact with each other. He, uh, as the disciples were sitting around the table, and at that time, it wasn't like today where, you know, uh, our shoes get dirty, we set them out in the garage and we wash them off, and, we, and, then we, and then we're fine with that, or we don't wash them off and we just leave them in the garage, we wear them to and from, but like at that time, they were wearing sandals, or they weren't wearing shoes at all, and, and, and Jesus had gathered all the disciples around the table, and he did that moment in scripture where maybe you've been a part of an awkward church moment where you had to wash somebody's feet but But jesus in that moment Washes each one of the disciples feet Like the dirtiest job like that was actually meant for like the servant the lowest of the house But but jesus in that moment. He washes his disciples feet and that in itself is crazy I don't know if you've ever had the opportunity to wash somebody's feet. I've been a part of some really crazy submissive to leadership stuff where you know, somebody's like, uh, will you forgive me? And in, my forgiving, in you forgiving me, I'm going to wash your feet. Like, whoa, that was powerful. And then I've been a part of stuff we've done as a church where dads wash the feet of their kids or moms wash the... And then those are kind of cool and fun and things to think about. But Jesus washes his disciples' feet. And what's amazing about this story is it's not only the act of washing his disciples' feet, because in and amongst the 12 that are gathered around the table is Judas and Peter, who just before that, Jesus says and predicts somebody's going to betray him. And Jesus says and predicts that somebody, one of his closest friends, is going to deny that he even knows him. And Jesus knows that in this moment, and yet he still decides to wash Judas' feet and to wash Peter's feet, even though he knew that they weren't like team Jesus at that moment. I mean, Peter was, and Judas Judas was, too. But Jesus decided, and that's amazing to me. Even with those two predictions that would be fulfilled, that he knew that they would be fulfilled, he still determines to wash their feet we celebrated our family christmas my side of the family this past week uh, and i had some conversations with my sister-in-law as probably you experienced during thanksgiving where we talk about mask wearing and vaccinations and all the things that's like politics and religion let's just Throw all that out on the table and discuss those at family gatherings. That's like the best plan. And so, but we had conversations. And it was great. And, and, and you know, and like, you know, often in any sort of gathering, including our gathering, we're, there's going to be people who fall on both sides of the spectrum. But we had great conversations about it. But what we came to rest on is that what isn't all right is the di- divisiveness that's going on in this world today. And that divisiveness of people can't live... In a relationship with Jesus And I say that in this way And and, and, and kind of going off script A little bit So I'm hoping I don't get in trouble but, But we can't treat people differently Based on their Political ideas We can't treat people differently Based on a decision that they've Made in their life God calls us To love each other Despite the differences That we might have And I love that we can come together and worship on a Sunday morning and worship next to people. And quite frankly, we probably don't even know the diversity, the full amount of diversity in this room. But we come together and we focus on one thing. And I don't know that, I mean, you know, to what understanding my family that gathered understands that idea of focusing on Jesus and putting him above everything else. And I don't even know where you're at. But that is what God calls us to do for us to put the focus on who on Jesus on the work that he did his birth his life his death his resurrection like our focus on him above all else Setting aside all differences setting aside all uh, ideals ideas uh, All that stuff cultural I mean just setting it aside and focusing on And I don't believe it's a coincidence in this moment that at this last supper, where Jesus is washing the feet of his disciples, and these predictions are happening, and Jesus is telling uh, his disciples he's admitting like I'm going to die. Like he he admitted to it on their way in. He admitted to it that night earlier. Like and he, he like the disciples aren't really picking up on it. So, but he's continually telling them I'm going to die. And so what's, what's happening is Jesus' life, before he takes on the cross for each one of us, is, is coming to an end. Uh, he's sharing the things that are of most importance. He wants to leave the disciples with these ideas. And I don't think it's, it's, it's a coincidence at all that there's betrayal and there's denial and there's differences that are in the room. I mean, Jesus gathered the most ragtag group of guys that are from far ends of the spectrum when it came to following him. And he's got them together in a room and he says this John 13, 34 A new command I give to you, a new command. Love one another as I have, and you've probably heard this verse like a hundred times, but maybe this time we'll adapt it. A new command I give to you love one another as I have loved you, so you must love one another. By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples. If you love one another. And I don't know about you, love happens when you're with people. You can't be, you can't be separate from people and still, like it's, if you've always been, I mean you can love people that you're not like in the same room with, I get that, but like unless you actually have entered into the withness with other people, you can't love them. And Jesus is saying, this is how. This is how they're going to know and be there for each other. We do, we do that as a church. We do, that, we do that actually really well as a small church. I don't know if you've been a part of larger churches where, you know, there is programs built up to support each other and all that kind of stuff. But in, 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 in the small church feeling, like, people are in your, I don't know, for lack of a better term, people are in your business, but if we do it right, it's out of love and it's out of a focus on Christ that that comes from. For us in our family, we've been a part of this. I remember you know, a couple different times in our, in our walk over this last 10 years where we had Charlotte and Josiah we were fostering two kids and, and, and I remember Heather walking in my office. I've shared this story before and she says, I'm done. Like, I'm done. I mean, they were rough kids. But without even saying anything to anybody, an army of people were led to come alongside of us and lead us through. And we kept, and Charlotte and I lived with us for like a year. We blessed them, and we're still in tight relationship with them. And who knows if that would have been the case if at that point we felt like, ah, oh, we just can't do this because we, we just can't. But an army of people came alongside of us. And if you've been around for more than three or four years, you know that I blew out my legs, and I was in a wheelchair for like ever, forever. It was like, 20 weeks 18 weeks I was in a wheelchair I didn't come to church for multiple weeks and we had meals every other night at our house and we had people babysit me (laughs) like people literally babysat me Um, that was fun Uh, not really but that was but people like we do that we do that for each other surgery or you know whatever you've got going on Like, like we do that out of our care for each other And being with each other. And that's what that verse is saying. it's it's incredibly personal as well. In order for us, it it, it says there right there in Scripture, in order for people to know, how are they going to know? Nobody's going to know. Nobody's going to know. They're going to know. Have you heard this? This is pretty funny. How would they know? I don't know. How many of you TikTok? Do you know what a TikTok is? See? How would they know? I told you, Matthew, we're way above it. This is a comedic humor. It's a TikTok where people are like, how are they going to know? They're going to know. They're going to know. Well, scripture tells us right there that they're going to know by the way that we love each other. The the high schoolers are like, yeah, that fell flat. (laughs) That didn't work. We'll write that out, we'll scratch that one out. Um, But they're gonna know They're gonna know now when I say it you're laughing see now it's working They're gonna know because of the way that we love each other the way that we're with each other And it's interesting. It doesn't say in there that they're gonna know by how much you love jesus Now that's a a factor in it for sure like our love and devotion and dedication to Jesus leads us to exactly where he desires and intends us to be. But it doesn't say anything, they're gonna know by how much you love me. No. They're gonna know by how much you do for me. Again, a great thing, like doing acts for Jesus and and, and things that God has called you to, those are great but it actually says there in John, this new command, they're going to know by the way you love each other. By the way we love and care for each other. And it isn't necessarily action-based. Bringing the meals, uh, giving support, uh, financial assistance. Like, those things are great, and, and they're going to be great. But here's the deal. The fridge is going to empty the money is going to run out, and the, the, uh, the whatever uh, support that you give is going to dry up, maybe. But when we stand with people, and that's the goal of like even the Christmas meals, breaking down barriers and building up a relationship that will last. Well after the turkeys and the hams and the corn and the whatever is Eaten on the holiday season. Well, after all that stuff is gone, what will hopefully come of that is even the, the, the smallest and slightest little relationship. And, 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 and if, we, if you're honest with yourself, if you're honest with yourself, that's what has you here today. Somebody at some point invited you, even in the slightest relationship or that's maybe what's brought you back is the slightest connection to somebody even if it's just Jesus in this place. And that's what this verse is calling us to being with and caring for and loving disciples, followers of Jesus. Right? Disciples, deep and personal witness. Right? Uh, Ecclesiastes 4, 9 through 12 says this, two are better than one because they have good return for their labor if either falls down one can help the other up, but pity anyone who falls and has no one to help them up, also if two lie down together they will keep warm, but how can one keep warm alone electric heated blanket works just, um, anyways if it's getting cold Though one may be overpowered, two can defend themselves. And then this is what I want you to focus on. A cord of three strands, a cord of three strands is not quickly broken. I've had this opportunity to hang out with the middle schoolers, and they play this game called kunjabi, kun, kajabi, kajabi. And there's these little, like, 12-inch strands of rope. And they're interwoven, three pieces of rope. There's ties, knots on each end, and they're like, you know, they're like that long. And they literally, everybody grabs, and they're in a circle, and they pull each other as hard as they can around this room, try to get each other to either let go or hit this trash can that's in I mean, they're just, yeah, I mean, they're just middle schoolers. There's middle schoolers that are like my size there. And they're pulling each other. Why is that so funny? Jeez. Um, they're pulling each other. And, and I tell you what, what doesn't break is the rope. Fingers maybe getting broken, uh, you know, rug burns, people losing grip, people hitting the trash can, but those ropes, ropes hold strong. And, and, and that's what this verse is saying here. A cord of three strands is not quickly broken. There's nothing about that rope except for that they're intertwined with each other, and that's what gives it the strength. And that's a great example for us that we are intertwined, that we are with each other, that we are standing with each other. And that's where the strength comes, and allowing God to be a part of that. Right? It's standing with each other. And I believe that's where we can oftentimes overcomplicate it. Right? Because. The same conversation that you have with your family is where you fall on different sides much as we do as a church of the spectrum of things. We fall on the sides of political beliefs, understandings, uh, even, even spiritual beliefs and religious beliefs. But being with is loving despite all those differences. It's being, however that might look in your interactions or in your who you surround yourself with, it's not, it, it's not the action of having to agree with everybody. That's not being with. That's not, I mean, that's not the, even the choice that's manifested from God, that God gives us that choice to be with him. But it's not it being in agreement. And I think we overcomplicate and be like, well, man, if I care for those people, they'll think I agree with them. No, that's not the case. The case is God calls you to love God calls us to love God calls us to be with Right? And in Hebrews It's called the stirring up It's called not neglecting to meet with each other It's called encouraging one another With wherever we're at in life And Jesus modeled that As he gathered all throughout his ministry Right? Jesus Like I said, Jesus gathered this very diverse group of 12 that was his closest friends. There was even diversity in the three that he kept at the closest, and there definitely was huge diversity in the thousands, but they focused in on what they called the way, the one way, and that was what Jesus was teaching, and that's where we need to focus. Being incredibly intentional with the people that are around us, right? Being with people. And what about the Christmas story? How is being with people in this traditional Christmas story that we look at today? Well, the Christmas story starts with Mary and Elizabeth meeting up, and you've probably heard it before, but it goes like this. At the time when Mary got ready and she hurried into town uh, to the hill country of Judea, there, was, there she was and entered Zachariah's home and greeted Elizabeth. When Elizabeth heard Mary's greeting, a baby leapt in her womb, and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Spirit. And in a loud voice, she came, blessed are you among women, and blessed is the child you will bear. But why am I so favored that the mother of my Lord should come to me? And as soon as the sound of their greeting reached their ears, the baby in my womb leapt for joy. Blessed is she who has believed the Lord would fulfill his promises to her. It started with Mary, a scared kid, being with Elizabeth as a support and as an encouragement for what she was doing and what she was about to embark on, what she was about to go through. And it said that the Spirit filled Elizabeth and there was support and encouragement in that, speaking of blessing and hope over Mary. And then there's the shepherds. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. And the angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone round them, and they were terrified. But the angel of the Lord said to them, Do not be afraid, I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all people. Today in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He's the Messiah. He's the Lord. This will be the sign to you. You will find the baby wrapped in claws and lying in a manger. Suddenly a great company of the heavenly hosts appeared, and angels praising God and saying... Glory to God in the highest And on earth peace to those Whom his favor rests And when the angels had left And they had gone into heaven The shepherds said to one another Let's go to Bethlehem and see this thing That has happened Which the Lord has told us about So they hurried off and found Mary and Joseph And the baby lying in The manger They were filled with God's presence Because they had to Go and act on that because of that they went out and acted on what was going on at that time and they even brought confirmation to Mary and Joseph the angel the star appeared and the angels appeared to us and said this about your child and they were with and in relationships and speaking this affirmation in the presence and, and actually if we look at the shepherds even they were the first to testify. They were the first to testify about Jesus and who he was to the people, right? Verses 17 and 18, they had seen him and they spread the word concerning what they had been told about this child. And all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds had said to them. That the shepherds, having experienced uh a moment with God where God confirmed something, took it to Mary and Joseph, and then testified. We're the first to go out and testify this truth as to what was happening. And who were the shepherds? The lowliest, the, 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 um, the servants, the lowest of society, the outcasts, the rejects. And God worked through them to bring about the first testifying of the Savior, the baby, Jesus, the Savior of the world, God, God's moment of stepping into human relationship with us on earth, they were the first to testify this. And I don't know about you, but if we use that model of the shepherds, there are probably moments in your life where you've felt incapable, where you've felt unqualified, where you've uh, made too many mistakes to think that God wanted to use you, and surely he would rather work with somebody else. Maybe that's just the job of the pastor or the, the, the people in the ministries that are volunteering. But it's not, because like the shepherds, they had gathered together to do this, and they went, we have that same call on our life. And as we, as a church, go out, that is what we do together. Encouraged with each other and by each other to testify to this great and glorious good news that we celebrate at Christmas. And here's the deal. We don't have to have all the answers. Often that's one of the, big, that's, that's one of the biggest barriers I have. I know I don't have all the answers. And so... Because of that, I often will shy away from even sharing my thoughts or sharing truth. Right? We don't have to have all the answers. We don't have to epitomize that. We are incapable unless we just put up that fake facade that we have it all figured out and we operate from that mindset. We don't have to have all of our things together. That the truth is that it's God with us that makes even being with each other possible. We are people, and people are the biggest stumbling box to seeing and understanding God. But people who are with God, allowing God to work, then lead others to the reality of God. I've said it before that oftentimes what I talk on from the front is not the things that I have figured out. It's the thing that the things that God has laid on my heart to work through that I need to work through. And even though we might be, in a sense, the reason why people don't, uh, the reason we okay. We will be one of the biggest reasons Why people don't experience the presence of God But we're also the biggest reason Why people will experience the presence of God That God sending his son to earth To live and die for each one of us That means that God Desired to be with us And that plan A In his decision to bring the world to him Is us And there is no plan B Through Christ is through Christ and his people, his followers, the people that are following him, that is the plan for the world to come and hear about who Jesus was and is for everyone. There is no plan B. And that's where this, we, his family, come into play. We're the family of God, and thus the family of God, leading other people to Christ. How you treat people, how you're present with people, how you show up for people displays or doesn't display that presence. And so as we head into Christmas this week, like this week is Christmas, I want to encourage you to be present with people. Your presence is God's presence in his image in those gatherings. It's our opportunity to display the image of who Christ is. So as we hurry through the last of what we need to do for Christmas to prepare, to let's include Christ in all that. But let's focus in on what he desires for us to do in the moments where we gather around, maybe our immediate family, maybe our immediate friends. But definitely as we gather as part of God's family displaying his image. I want to invite the band to come forward <laughs> That's a loose term this morning The band The band that was to the band that is um, And we're going to have a moment of communion And I want to encourage you We are the family of God In God's family There is no size limit to it God's desire is for each one of us To play a role And for each one of those that are not here whether that's at home or outside or whatever, it's his desire for them to be part of this family. And so uh, part of family and gathering for Christmas is meals, getting together, and I actually had some fun scripture in here about talking about food, which I left it out. Um, But we gather together and have meals together. We had a great meal the other night as a family. But here in church, our family meal is this communion. As Jesus gathered in the upper room, he took the bread and he broke it, and he said, this is my body broken for you. Take it and be in remembrance of me. And he took the wine and he poured it out, and he says, this is my blood poured out out for you. Take it in remembrance of me. So as much as it is remembering all the work that Christ did in entering into a relationship with us, And all the work that he did through his life, death, and resurrection, this is in remembrance of him. But there's a a spot here where we have the opportunity to gather as a family and partake in this meal together. There's nothing magical about this. It's grape juice in a wafer, cracker. There's nothing magical about this other than that in remembrance. Where the magic happens is with us, God's family. And so as we close with these last two songs, as we close with this first song, I want to encourage you, as you feel led, come up and grab a, an element of communion. And I want to encourage you, as you feel comfortable, to just hang out around this table. And we'll sing the, 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 the song that we're going to sing first. Um, and then we'll end with, uh, with a Christmas song that we probably all know. But as that first song plays, if you feel comfortable, just gather around the table. And as that second song plays, as you feel led, take the meal that we have in remembrance of Christ. And if you feel comfortable, hang out around the table and sing together in a family moment for us that we can focus on on this Christmas. If not, grab the element of communion and find some space on the outside. There's plenty of space in here for us and take it that way. But my vision for this and what God kind of laid on my heart is this idea of family together taking in this meal together.